we did this thing called the solo where we were alone. I had my own space. Like they put me next to a river for three nights, and four days, no food, just water. And it was the first time in my life when I felt like I grieved the loss of my mom. You're listening to Wellbeing Creative, a podcast that breaks down stigmas and creates a conversation surrounding well-being in the creative fields. My name is Harrison Diskin, and I'll be sitting down with creators of all types to discuss how they manage the inevitable stress, anxiety, and health choices that come along with creating in today's wild world. Hey, it's Harrison. Welcome back to Wellbeing Creative, recording out of the Foundation Studio inside the Foundation Hotel in downtown Detroit. My guest this week is Ricky Friedman, founder of Break the Weight, and she has a very special and insightful story to tell. From turning loss and grievance into fuel to help others find happiness, to directly affecting the lives of many individuals through gaining control of their health via her Breaker program, and just her general confidence and inspiring energy, Ricky is changing the world around her, and I'm happy she could share her story with us. So, Let's get into it. A conversation with Ricky Friedman of Break the Weight. Hey, it's Harrison, and I'm really excited about my guest today. She is a transformational life and health coach who is changing people's lives for the better on the daily. She's an entrepreneur who started her own life coaching company, Break the Weight, and she is on a journey to share her story while helping others each step of the way. Welcome, Ricky Friedman, founder of Break the Weight to Wellbeing Creative. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. I'm really happy you're here. I'm very excited to be here. Well, let's get right into it. Um, Break the weight. Can you tell us a little bit about Break the Weight? Yes. So do you want to know how it started? Do you want to know what it is? So Break the Weight is... Yeah, tell us about Lulu. Oh, wow. This is like throwback. So I started Break the Weight when I was 23 years old. I had... took me like six years to graduate college. It wasn't much of a school person. And after I got out, I had been going through a lot in my life. I had really bad eating issues and I had a lot going on in my life. And I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with it. But I enrolled in a health coaching program through Institute for Integrative Nutrition because I thought, okay, you know, really hate my body, not feeling my life right now. Maybe I can learn healthier ways to cope, to deal. And... So I rolled in this program, and about a month into this program, my good friend Lulu came to me and she said, you got to help me. Mm -hmm. I've got 150 pounds to lose. I got no idea how to do it, and you're the only person that I know that could hold me accountable and motivate me. And I kind of looked at her like, I know nothing about this. Like, Mm -hmm. Like, I don't even know why you're asking me this. Like, we both know I hate my body. I'm enrolled in this coaching program that, like, really is just for me. And like, why would you even ask me? And she was like, I just have a gut feeling that you will be good at this. And Mm -hmm. it might be really good for you to put your work into something else. So I was like, all right, whatever. So I built her this like very simple system and we decided to create a blog and we named it Break the Weight. And the idea behind the blog was we wanted to showcase what it was like to really transform your life. You know, you always read about these people you know, you read about the afters, right? Like, what about not just before, not just after? Like, what happens in between when you change your life? And I thought it would be really cool to pub- to make it public. So 
we created this blog, Blake Break the Weight, and every single day we would write. She would blog, I would blog, and you got to see two people really breaking the weight in their life, physically and mentally and emotionally. And what started off as a journey of Lulu just trying to lose 150 pounds, you know, she lost 100 pounds physically, but I ended up losing 100 pounds emotionally. Mm -hmm. And you really got to see two people transform their lives. And after that, after she lost 100 pounds, I turned it into a business because I realized that the message here was so, it was so more than the weight and there was a space out there where people needed more than just weight. They needed support. They needed accountability. They needed consistency. And they needed someone to tell them that everything was going to be okay. And I'm on your team. So that's where Break the Weight originated. And then I actually took it, took it and ran with it. And I've always kept the mission the same since day one. Like it's the weight in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally. And I turned that into a brand, but also a health coaching business and the program that I have now under Break the Weight is called the Breaker Program. So I coach people to transform their daily habits. I work with a lot of people who have weight to lose, but it's really a lifestyle change. So it's just kind of interesting because since the very first day, it was never really about like the weight. Mm-hmm. Even though like people lose weight on the program, it's not about like how much you work out or like the recipes or any of the real stuff in this space of wellness. It was really about your mindset and... Yeah. So going beyond just the food choices, like how, how do you influence your clients to live more health, health-filled life? So I am a really big believer in that the little stuff is the big stuff. That's like what I believe. And I also believe that, you know, the whole thing is like teaching my clients that to first of all, like trust in themselves and the choices that they make. Like we're not idiots, right? Like We all know what's healthy, what's not. I don't think that that's the problem. I think the problem is self-accountability. So how do you get someone to believe that they can make a decision, that they can change their story, that they can stop eating when they're full, that they can drink the right amount of water, they can take their steps? I mean, if you break it down for people, it's not a complicated thing. The problem is there's so much information. So like what I try to do is I say like, okay, if the little stuff is the big stuff, like what can we do in your day what if we only change two things? You know, maybe that's like you add 10,000 steps in or you drink two liters of water mm-hmm. and that when you eat, like you slow down a little bit or you stop eating when you're full. And I really try to get them to shift their mindset on it and realize that like they have all the tools. It's not like I'm giving them these like crazy tools. I'm giving them the confidence to use their tools mm-hmm. and that it's simple. We know what's healthy. We know what's not. It's just about, okay, when is the right decision to make this choice and when should I make that choice? What do, you, what do you say to the person who's like at the grocery store and they're choosing between like, you know, Oreos or a salad, you know? I mean, get them both. Mm-hmm. Learn how to have them both. Like yeah. I don't take, I don't like not eat any of that shit. Like I right. love that. It's right. like, who gives a shit? The problem is, is like, it's not about the food. Like, listen, we all know like, yeah, a salad's healthier than an Oreo, but like don't eat the whole pack. Right. But like, even if you ate a whole pack of lettuce, like you shouldn't do that either. Yeah. Because the idea is that you're just not listening to your body, whether it's 25 apples or 25 Oreos. The thing is, this this the situation is the same. You're not listening to your body, and I think that if you can start living your life like that, you really can have the things that you love. That's yeah. you know, I'm not advising everyone who's listening to this to go buy 25,000 Oreos, <laughs> but you get the point. So how how did this turn into like the 10-week online breaker program? 
honestly, I literally made it up. I created it. I just like, I saw, um, you know, at first it was a six week program. Then it was a 12 week program. And I, well, actually originally it was a month program and I started like testing it and like seeing what people really needed. Like a month wasn't long enough. Six weeks wasn't long enough. 12 weeks sometimes can feel too long. And I felt like 10 weeks was like enough time for someone to like implement habits into their life, become consistent with it and leave the program being like, I can do that. I can do this for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. This is a lifestyle change. And the idea is like, I just want people to build consistency. So at the end of the 10 weeks, they're like, oh, I've been doing this thing for 10 weeks. Like I can do this. I can do this always now. Um, I mean, so so let's just kind of run with that for a second. You're talking about sustainability. Like why, why do you think it's so hard for people to find sustainability in, in like a proper diet? I think it's hard for people to find sustainability in, any, in a lot of things. I think diet's just the easiest one that we talk about. I think it's like, what's the difference between... You know, and there is a difference. You know, let's say you're an addict. Mm-hmm. How does someone stay sober? Right? Like, it's a mindset. How does someone have a good diet? Well, first of all, you don't look at it as a diet. You look at it as lifestyle. And you look at it like, okay, what makes me feel good? What makes me feel like shit? Like, it's like a pretty simple question. And it's like, okay, how do I make this decision that, you know, that's going to ultimately make me feel better in the long run. And I think the problem is that like people think it's so complicated and like, it's not, it's like you listen to your body and I think no one trusts themselves anymore. And and we've hear so much information. It's like, try this, try that. It's like, dude, you have the answers. Like I could tell you to eat oatmeal in the morning, but like, what if it doesn't keep you full and you feel like shit after, right? You know that I don't know that. So it's like, that's the problem is I think there's so much information. There's too much information. Yeah, like, who's right? Who's right? Like, you're right. Like, you're right. Like, if drinking that makes you feel like shit, who am I to tell you not? If, like, salmon doesn't keep you full, like, great. doesn't keep you full. Find something else. Right. But I think think the idea is the same. Is like, it's a mindset. I think the problem is that people, food controls people. Yeah. I don't think it's, I think it's, like, it's a void. It's like anything else in our life. People are just trying to fill themselves up with something. And food's an easy thing to do. So why is it important that we, we tackle those, those voids instead of, you know, aversion, which is probably easier, right? Yeah. So, you know, I am like a big, I was going to say I'm a big avoider, but that's not what I want to say. <laughs> um, I am very interested in the world of voids. So I, you know, I lost my mom when I was 13 and... I believe that her loss really has shaped who I am and what I do and what I will do, the work I will do the rest of my life, whether it's with Break the Weight or with other things. And I felt like my whole life, I was just like trying to fill this void of loneliness, whether it's through like smoking or unhealthy relationships or food. And that's really where all my issues with food came from was like, I had this deep sense of loneliness in me and like, how do I fill it up? And filling it up with something that's, you know, more exciting in the moment is is easier than filling it up with something that takes a little more willpower. Like to say no to smoking when you're feeling sad, right? Like that's really hard for someone to do. But to say yes to like eating a cake or a cookie, like that's an automatic fix. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that our brains, they do a lot to protect us and they want us to feel good. So the minute you stop feeling bad, your brain's like, 
okay, like how do we get you to feel good? And usually the thing that makes you feel good is the thing that you shouldn't be doing yeah. right away. It's an instant serotonin. It's an, it's, right, like you have, your, you have your child and you have your adult. Mm-hmm. You have two sides of who you are. And like the child is saying like, do it, eat that, smoke that, hook up with that person. And your adult is saying like, slow down. Right. Let the moment pass, like feel your pain. That's not going to solve it. And I think that when you're in pain, you're impulsive. And I, I always call it like impulsive pain, like IP. I'm like, am I doing an IP right now? And like, if you know, if you have to even ask yourself that. So I think people just want to feel filled up. They'll yeah. do what they can to do it. Because the only way out is in, but no one wants to be in. I think there's there's a lot of fear um, with like associated with pain, you know. Yeah. So, so people are afraid to feel pain, so they avoid a lot of things where the outcome might be painful. Pain is painful. That's the right. point of it. Right. But like people stay in relationships because they don't want to leave, right? But like you're more. You're listen. Like you might be in pain now, but like you got to be able to see past the pain. Like you can have darkness and you can have light, and they can coexist in the same day. Mm-hmm. And think like people don't know that. So they think like pain, 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 but like you can live a life with pain that comes in and out of it, but like you don't have to be suffering. So I think there's a difference between being in pain and suffering. I think people don't realize the difference between them. How, how old were you when you lost your mother? I was 13. She was sick for five years. She got sick when I was eight and she died when I was 13. She had non Hodgkin's lymphoma. And it changed my world without even knowing that it changed my world. Yeah. And I think it's a great example of someone who just didn't understand the pain that like comes with a loss. Mm -hmm. And I think I was on this like very long journey of being like, how do I fix my heart? Like, how do I heal this? And, you know, I know now like I'm on the other side of the grief, but I know now that like you can't, just fix it you can't just heal it Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't be the goal the goal should be like how do i evolve how do i grow how do i become stronger because of it Mm -hmm. so first of all i'm really sorry about that loss i I can't even imagine (laughs) um how how do you think that you you reached that point where you decided to take charge you know i'm a really big believer that like you reach that point you can reach it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Like there are plenty of times in my life where I'm like, yeah, this is great. Like life. And then like something happens. Right. And you get knocked down again. So it's, it's, I think when I started break the weight, that was when I realized like I could be a leader. It gave me purpose. It made me feel like I wasn't just this girl who lost her mom, who like hated herself that like I could be someone that could be of service to someone else. Like maybe I could even create something. So I think that was the beginning of it. And then like throughout the years, I just, I started gaining confidence through my work. And then, you know, I just think I've experienced a lot of loss and heartbreak since starting Break the Weight that like I've learned how to become a resilient person Mm -hmm. and I've become confident in my strength. Like, oh, I'll be like really sad and I'll be like, oh, but I've been through that and like, I'm fine. And so I think like I've, I've developed, I think resilience is a skill. Mm-hmm. I think you have to develop it. I think you have to practice it. And when you've been through enough things, you know, you just kind of become a resilient person. So, you know, I don't even remember what the question was. I literally <laughs> go off on a tangent. No, that's good. I love tangents <laughs> on podcasts. 
you, you said that there you, there were knockdowns all along the way. What, what were some of those like knockdowns? I mean, how much time do you have? <laughs> I mean, maybe something specific. Just just to, so a recent one. Yeah, a really big recent one. So I moved back to Michigan. I lived in Colorado Somewhere. for three years. Okay, that was during uh, your time with um, with Outward Bound. No, that is so different. Okay, we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that. All I right. literally, my life is so. I lived in Colorado for three years. I moved back a year ago. I moved back for a relationship. Mm-hmm. And this was a really special relationship. It was a really special story. Our moms were college roommates. Mm-hmm. You know, and I lost my mom. The way we met was like really beautiful. And so I moved across the country for this person. And it was a great decision. And we lived together. And then the day we moved in to our new apartment, not this September, but the September before, my dog died the day we moved in. So that really sucked. And I rescued my dog. We were, he was 12 years old until he was with me for like four years. That's tough. Yeah, that was, that was tough, but that wasn't, you know, that's, that's life. Right. And um, you probably knew adopting an older dog. Yeah, like but. I'm a masochist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, let's adopt an eight-year-old dog yeah. that's like going to die. Yeah. But I, I'm not even going to say the next sick thing that was going to come out of my mouth. I'm going to say like I knew there was an expiration date. I didn't want a dog for 25 years at that point in my life. I mean, that's not a sick thing to say. It's I like think it's a, re- a realistic thing. And it com- comes back to this whole impermanence, you know? Right. Um, and not being able to like, not, not clinging to something. Attachment. Um, yeah. It's like, I love you so much, but like he was ready. I was ready. Like, and listen, like he was my heart. Yeah. But you know, it's life and you move forward and it's okay. And then the relationship didn't end up working out. Mm. And it was really heartbreaking for me. And I know breakups are really hard and I've gone through a thousand of them. But this was different because I moved here and we had this beautiful story. And I really thought like this was my path, like got me back to Michigan. And mm-hmm. and it was a it was a it was a really hard transition for me, but it was I never felt stronger in my life. So it's a beautiful thing of like it was so tragic and heartbreaking, but the irony was that like I was strong enough to handle it. And I felt like that leaving that relationship really, I've, I've never grown so much and, but it was a letdown in a lot of different ways. And it was a story I told myself. So like I had to develop a new story cause I was like, Oh shit, that story didn't work. Like mm-hmm. gotta get a new one. And I think what I learned was that like stories are not permanent either. Right. And, a great story versus a relationship that isn't necessarily working. You got to let go of the story. Yeah. Stories are just stories. Same author, different series. Right. Like new chapter. Okay. Next. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit, I'm back in Michigan, a place that like I didn't want to be. And now my relationship anymore. And like my dog's dead. Like what happened? Right. But then I was like, no, life is not happening to me. It's happening for me. And this is going to be okay. So I think it's a mindset. It's a good reminder. Um, they're tough reminders, but it works. Honestly, I suggest every single person to think like that because it's going to heal you so much quicker. Because if you look at life happening to you, you don't heal. But I was like, okay, no dog, no boyfriend, no Colorado. I'm sitting in my apartment in, my new, in a new apartment that I wasn't expecting to have. And I'm like, there's got to be a reason. So like, I'm okay with this because there has to be something bigger than me that's like happening. Right. So, I mean, between an utter breakdown and being totally cool and resilient with, with this trans- transition, um, there's some learning and, and a process that goes into that. What, what types of practices do you, do you work on to 
you know, to be more in control? So I, you know, I have like certain staples in my life that I, that I do. I'm a really big walker. So like steps, steps. Yeah. If you're listening to this, go take your steps. Yeah. Um, something that I did, you know, I really utilized my support system and something else that I did, which is very, which was very new for me. I decided that I was going to create as many positive relationships as I possibly could during this time. Mm-hmm. That this was going to be my time. And it wasn't about going out and getting drunk or any of that. It was like, I want to build a community. And so I decided to say yes to everything. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come to that dinner. Like, yeah, I'll come to that event. Like, yeah, I'll go to that like weird thing that I don't want to go to. Like, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I'll go to lunch with you. Like, yeah, I'll meet this person. And it was just like... Fill your life up, fill your life up, fill your life up, as I said before, but like fill it up with things that are going to make you feel alive. Mm -hmm. And so my whole thing was like, this is not because I don't want to be alone. It was like, I realized like I don't have to be alone. I can build community. So that was something that I really, it was different. I just said yes to everything. And now I have like all these really great friendships and Mm -hmm. like business opportunities. But the whole idea was like, how do you fill your life up? So I thought, okay, this is great. I've, I've got no one else to worry about now. Like, what do I do? So I took the pain and I just put, I, I use my pain in pa- for positivity, mm-hmm. I guess. That, and that was a really big thing that I did. And I did a lot of yoga. Yeah. And I cried a lot. Yeah. And like. It's therapeutic. Yeah, it's therapeutic. And like, I also was like, all right, you're a big girl. Like, you got this. I talked to myself a lot. Yeah. I mean, all of, the, all of those are strategies, including yeah. talking to yourself. I had this lion. This is like so ridiculous. I went to Tony Robbins. I did. I got five days seminar. Yeah, we were gonna get there. Oh, we were. So okay. Let's let's no, get there no, now. No. You went to Tony Robbins. <laughs> okay, so yeah, I went to Tony Robbins, which was the coolest. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, when you're in something like that, it, I don't know if you ever done it. You would love it. It's yeah. the coolest. What seminar did you do? I did Unleash the Power Within. Okay. And this was like two weeks before my relationship ended. Wow. So this was like a whirlwind of like you know. And and he he said something that I'll never forget. He said like, sometimes there needs to be like radical change, right? And people don't change until they're in so much pain that they don't have an option. And he was like, it just depends on like how much pain you're in. And he said to us like, what are certain things in your life like if you don't change them right now, your life will never change. Mm-hmm. Not like the little habits. What's the radical change that you need to make? And it just like made me realize like. I am a strong person and I can make a big radical change and I have enough resilience to do it. Like he just, he, he, I I forgot the energy that I had. Right. I forgot I had so much energy and he like re-energized me. He didn't take away the pain, but he made me believe that I could do it. Whatever I needed to do, I could do it. It was so cool. That reminds me of the analogy of a frog in a pot of water. And if you put the frog in a pot of water and then turn the water on, it, it will boil till it's death. Right. But if you drop a frog into boiling water, it will hop right out immediately. It's so true. Yeah. Like he is, and, and I love Tony Robbins because he's really based on science and mm. I'm a big science girl, not like a science nerd. I just, I like research. Like I like to know that what I'm going to be doing will work. Right. Um, and he was just, I mean, there were like 16 hour days. Yeah. You were on your feet the whole time. He's very big on 
like changing your state of mind through yeah. movement. Yeah. Speaking of steps, he will walk an entire marathon in yeah. one day of his seminar on stage. I know. He's crazy. Yeah. And he had his dance and I'm like a really big dancer. Yeah. And he had Oh, his, we're getting to that too. Oh my God. I'm so excited for all this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was just so cool. And you know, I, and this is what I'm saying. Like life, life is happening for you. Like I booked Tony Robbins in August. Mm-hmm. It happened to have fallen at a time in my life where like I desperately needed to go to Tony Robbins. Yeah. And then two weeks later, my life changed. And it's like, I believe that you set yourself up and like things come at you when they're supposed to. I also believe that you, you know, but you can't sit and wait for them. Like you got to take the action. Right. So I just, I love him. I think he's the coolest and he's so genuine and sweet and he swears a lot, which I really like. It makes him a real human. Yeah. He he says he does it to um, provoke emotion. Yeah. He's like, he'll be like, get the, like, who fucking wants to deal with that? And like, he's like, I know I'm swearing, but like you're, I got all of your attention and like you feel the emotion now. I really like that. Yeah. I'll definitely check him out. Oh, he's the coolest. So let's stay on the topic of timing. And uh, so it's really hard. Maybe once you understand the right place at the right time and and everything happening for, for the right reason. It's a lot easier to understand. But before you have that, it's, it's probably the most difficult thing to accept. Uh, like, how, how did you get from, how did you get so okay with timing? I mean, it, because life, I honestly, this is just like what I live by. Like, life is happening for me. Mm-hmm. And the more I tell myself that, it's like, if you don't trust the timing in your life, and listen, here's the difference. There are people that are like, everything happens for a reason. I'm going to sit on my ass and I'm going to be like, this is happening for a reason. Like other things will come to me. That's not how I operate. I'm like, this really sucks. A, like, what can I learn? B, like, when's the last time I felt this way? Like, how did I deal with it? Mm-hmm. See, like, this is not my first rodeo. Mm-hmm. And if you don't believe it's happening for a reason, then what the hell is it happening for? Mm -hmm. Like, if you don't believe that, then what do you, like, if you don't have faith, like, what do you believe in? What is there? Like, that's why I think, and I don't know that I am, you know, I I do believe that people who are suicidal, they don't see the faith. They don't see the hope. And I don't know what it's like to be in that kind of pain. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it's like for them. So I can't speak on it, but I imagine that they didn't feel hope. It's like getting heartbroken. Mm-hmm. You're like, I'm going to die. You're like, oh my God, I'm going to literally die. Yeah. But you don't die. So why don't you die? Because you're resilient and because internally you have faith. You don't know that you have the faith, but you do. And I think in the moment it's painful, but if you don't have hope, what do you like? What do you have? And if life is not happening for you, what's it happening for? Yeah. That's, I guess it's a, it's a mindset. It's, it's seriously a mindset. It is. So I just look at every opportunity as like an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. And it sucks. I cry. Like I feel shitty for sure. But like, you know. So how has all of this, your own personal transformation, how has this helped you as a coach? Oh, I mean, it's helped me with so many things. You know, I, I think it's helped me it's helped me as a coach for sure, but it's, it's helped me beyond that. It's really helped me as a, as a human. Like I've really, you know, I've gone from like a person who like lived in darkness. Like I feel like I found my light. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the biggest thing, the biggest transformation that I've made. And like, 
because when you feel good about yourself, you're just able to give more to others. So I think that because of my transformation, I'm able to be a better friend, a better coach. Um, but I think like, like coaching isn't the end all be all for like what I want to do, but I love being able to like impact people. But I like to also do that in other ways. Mm-hmm. Um, You're writing a book right now? I'm writing a book. Mm-hmm. Hopefully like it will, it will get done, but um, no, I'm just kidding. It will get done. Yeah. So I'm writing a book on the loss of my mom mm-hmm. and I kept a 17 year journey journal and in terms of like the world of grief and loss, like that's the world that I am really like gravitating towards. I think it's like a huge need for yeah. information out there. And I think that when you lose a parent in your adolescent years, it really affects your development. I don't think I know cause I've done a lot of research on this. So I am writing a book for the 20 year old who lost a parent in their adolescent years, who doesn't know why she's, he or she is feeling certain things at this point in their life that from events that happened years ago. Mm-hmm. And that to me, that's like, that's a dream. Mm-hmm. I mean, that to me is the ultimate dream. Um, Cause I love to write and it's how I got through my mom's loss. And it's how, what, what, what specific things do you, how do you journal? What are your techniques? I don't journal much anymore cause I'm writing a book. So mm-hmm. like, it's just too much. It's like, dude, I can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, sometimes I'll just like write things on my phone, like feeling overwhelmed, like feeling this, feeling that. But for me, the big thing was like, I've always been like very open with my story. So I really started putting my story and this was like how break the weight started, right? Like it started off as this blog between two people. So it's like this whole thing of like, everything is connected, you know, mm-hmm. and now I'm writing a book, like break the weight started as writing. You know, the first thing I ever wrote was my mom's funeral speech. So like mm. everything is like, again, like everything is connected for me. Writing was how I understood the loss. Yeah. It was like, okay, I'm feeling this way. Does anyone else feel this way? Like I'm going to go do this. And then I would go back and I would read it over and I'd be like, Oh, like that makes sense. Or like, I understand that. But to be honest with you, like when I really started healing from the writing was when I started to share it. Mm-hmm. That to me was like, I think it was like 2013. I started like sharing. I started blogging. Before Break the Weight. No, during. So Break during. the Weight started in 2012. Okay. And this was like before coaching was cool. This was before yeah. like people were doing all that stuff. Like I was doing. It was probably, I mean, before even blogs were cool. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, you know, I've always been so cool, you know? Yeah. Trendsetter. <laughs> Trendsetter right here. Um, but yeah, so I started blogging about it in 2000 after Lulu and I did break the weight. We, she had lost her dad. Yeah. So we were both in the dead parents club and we, we wrote a lot about it. She came out on the blog. She lost her father. I struggled with depression. I struggled with my mom's loss. So that was really everything started. Like you got to see two people breaking the weight of grief as well. And after that, I started like blogging on my own because after she stopped break the weight, I was like, what the hell am I going to do with this before I turned it into a coaching program? So I started like blogging to keep like the presence online up because I was like, why would someone follow me now if Lulu and I aren't doing this? So I started blogging about like things that I was going through in that moment. And I would literally write, I'd be like, Hey, get, like today's a really shitty day. Like, here's how I feel. It was like a, an online journal. But the difference was, was that like at the end of each post was like a lesson for other people. Mm. So it helped me to know that I was writing out my feelings and giving back all at the same time. Like it wasn't just like here, like I feel shitty, love Ricky. 
It was like, I feel shitty. Here's why. Here's what I've learned. Here's what you can take from it. And that was very healing for me. And, you know, I think that I've started to realize during that, like how many other people were suffering. Yeah. Like who with their, you get a lot of people who would interact and comment. Yeah. They just be like, holy shit. I get why I feel that way. Or like, oh, I experienced that. Like when my mom died or like, oh, that's normal. And I was like, yeah, like what? of course. Right. Like, hell yeah, it's normal. And like, you're not the only one. So I think that was when I discovered that like sharing your story is the most important. Yeah, you, you found out that there's a lot of people out there who are looking for that relative yeah. story. And it healed me. Yeah. And like not, you know, and I believe that we do things that heal ourselves, mm-hmm. that heal other people too. But I, I always believe there's like, you get both from it, right? Yeah. So that was when I discovered sharing your story was like a good thing. And like, look, now it's like the thing. Right. Trendsetter, and- you know? And every time someone shares a story, it definitely helps to lift the stigma around a lot of these, you know, like eating disorders and and, uh, health issues and body conscious issues. Yeah, and death. Right, and death. Loss. Yeah, we all go through it, and and sometimes we just feel so alone. It's A a blog in 2013 to return to is something that a lot of people probably needed. A hundred percent, and that's why I'm writing this book, because I'm just like, it's not like a matter of like, am I an expert? It's like, I don't, it's like, who cares? Like, I know you feel what I feel. I know you're going through what I'm going through. And you can't understand the loss that you experience when you're 13 and why it's affecting you now. Like, I will help you understand that. Mm-hmm. It's like, I do know. But there's not a lot of information out there. Mm-hmm. And, and most of it's probably lost in a lot of medical lingo. And, honestly, and I, so... I am, I can't like discuss it right now until it's public, but I'm working on something in terms of like a second business and grief mm-hmm. and loss. And there actually is very little amount of research on grief and loss, Yeah. Um, which is so mind blowing to me. It's the most universal thing that happens to every single person. Right. So it's a big, um, there's a big space for it in the market. So you were blogging for 290 days straight. <laughs> um, how has like, the evolution of social media helped you with sharing your story from blogging to a website to Instagram? Well, I think it really helped that I had like a product. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't just this person being like, here I am. Although like that's great. And like I really believe that it would have been fine either way. But, you know, I I feel like Break the Way it like turned me into this like brand. Mm-hmm. And I actually am like Facebook OG. I Instagram is like, pretty new to me in terms of like branding. Yeah. Um, I would say in the last like year and a half, I was like OG Facebook, like yeah. built my business on Facebook. Um, so Instagram's a new one, a rather new one for me. But, you know, I think having that presence really helps. But I think at the end of the day, if you don't have a good product, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Because mm-hmm. like, I had value I could offer people and social media and I have like a very interesting relationship and like I definitely you know I like to to put myself out there I like to talk so like to me it's like I love it yeah I don't mind it um but I think it's I could see the effect that it has on people yeah like the deep profound effect like these kids I can't even imagine you mean like a, like a negative effect. Like mm-hmm. I like you put up a photo and doesn't get enough likes and you're like, oh my God, I'm the worst. Right. Listen, like I'm a very confident 
person. And like, I still feel that way sometimes. Of course. And yeah. I'm like, oh my God, you're such a loser. <laughs> like, get a life. <laughs> but I think it, it reaches everybody. I mean, Kanye West, despite what anyone may think of him, he recently has been like pleading with all of the CEOs of, you know, Facebook and Instagram trying to, uh, he's trying to contest to remove like counts and follower counts. Oh my God. First of all, I feel like that's really, okay, I get, I totally get his point, but like right. it's such a business platform it at is. this point that yeah. like you can't do that. Kanye, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Is that why the Instagram founders quit? Because Kanye was annoying them. Oh, they no. stepped down today. Oh, I didn't know that. So they resigned. Wow. Probably because of him. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not dealing with this shit. They made shit. the mistake of giving him their personal number. Yeah. That yeah. was not a smart And now move. he's like Instagramming screenshots of their text. But I do, I do, I think it's a crazy world. Yeah. I think it's a really cool world, but you know, if you're home on a Saturday night and you're laying in bed and you're looking at all these photos, people out, that's going to make you, I mean, I have plenty of moments, Mm -hmm. right? Where I feel that way. So like, I think about the suicide rate. I can't even imagine what it's like for that 16 year old girl who like already hates herself. Yeah. She's like, oh shit, I wasn't invited to that party. But what about the... Like, what about the other way around where that suicidal teenager has the outlet to go on YouTube and find other teenagers who are struggling who might have, like, a a vlog or, or, you know, some sort of story to share? I think it's, I think with every blessing, there's a curse. Mm -hmm. I think what's your strong suit is your worst suit. I think that, like, you're not going to get something that's perfect. You're always going to find something that's, like, someone's always going to use it in the wrong way. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, I think it's, I think it's a blessing. I also think it's like, it depends how you use it. It depends, where the, again, it like just depends on the relationship you have with it. Yeah. If the only relationships that you have in your life are online, that is a problem. Right. I don't care how much joy it brings you, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. You're lacking social skills. You're lacking real life skills and you can't live behind that. Right. And honestly, when I moved back to Michigan, that was my number one goal. Because my program is an online coaching program. I can coach anyone from anywhere. Right. So I made a decision after that breakup. Like, I will not. Like, I will make, I will build community. Because, like, you need it. So now you have a lot of clients that you see no, in person? No, no. I don't see it. I definitely worded that wrong. My program is still online. Okay. I have clients from all over. Yeah. I meant, like, how do I build my business outside of my clients? Yeah. How do I build partnerships? How do I build relationships? Because I can't spend my day on the phone with people that don't live here. And I didn't really want to meet in person with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I do. But I feel like it's, I wouldn't be able to have as many clients. Yeah. If I did that. Yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur and a, f- a business owner, how do you balance, you know, uh, running the business and also being the coach? I just do. I mean, I think like, I don't know. I have a lot of energy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I wake up and I'm like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to do this today. I'm like a normal person. And listen, being your own boss isn't that easy. It's like accountability overload. Mm -hmm. I've had plenty of times in my life where I'm like, not good on the marketing for three months. Then like my clientele suffers. So Mm -hmm. to me, it's like, I don't know how I balance it. I think it's like, I'm always growing. I'm always evolving. Um, It's, that's why like, I think because I feel like I'm very much a part of my brand, it's like hard to like turn it off. Mm -hmm. I think social media is like a 
you know, it's a big one for me. But sometimes I have really great days. Sometimes I'm like, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the sun still rises in the morning. Uh, Yeah. And like, if I don't want to do what I'm doing, I'll do something else. Yeah. If you were doing anything else, what would you be doing? Um, well, I am going to be doing something, adding to it, but I'm going to get in the grief and loss industry mm-hmm. and I, and I'm, I want to be a speaker. Okay. Um, you've been doing a little bit of that too, right? I have. And I'm really excited. That's like what I love. I, mm-hmm. I mean, you're probably like, I can tell you love to talk. I <laughs> love to speak. I actually, um, so like my goal is like, okay, author, speaker, and, um, like navigating the world of grief and loss, like obviously still break the weight for sure. But I've realized that like, I'm not just like one thing. Mm -hmm. I think that's like been a big discovery for me. And the mission has always been the same. Like how do I impact people? Yeah. Um, and so I have like three speaking gigs coming up in October. Like I'm very excited for all of them. And I think that's like where I, where I like what I like to do. Do you see yourself like handing break the weight off to other coaches or involving other coaches at least? I don't know yet. I mean, I honestly don't know. There's so I'm like obsessed with like the mission behind break the weight. Like I'm very attached to the name. I'm very attached to what it is like, you know, breaking the weight in your life, physically, mentally, emotionally. I love the coaching as well. I don't know exactly what where I'm headed with it like right now I just changed my Instagram name to my own name and I created a break the weight Instagram which was like a really big deal for me it's been like six years I've never done that before Mm -hmm. so I think I'm trying to like establish break the weight as a brand on its own and once I can do that besides it just being me Mm -hmm. then I'll probably be able to figure out like okay where do I go from here Mm -hmm. but you know most people like probably have business plans with all that and I just like I don't know. I just don't know right now. Yeah. And that's like the most honest answer that I can like give you. But it seems like a great launching pad for everything that's to come. Yeah. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, and like I really am want to build my personal brand. Like that's very important to me. So I think like the speaking and the writing and all that stuff like would be separate from Break the Weight. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like it's all connected in some ways. It always is. Right. I guess. So... You spent time in Colorado previous to living there. You were on the Outward Bound <laughs> yeah, Wilderness I'm Courses. Literally a crazy person. Yeah. What is what is that? So Outward Bound. <laughs> when I was twenty, no, yeah, I was twenty, and I was like in a lot of pain. I really needed to like do something, and I didn't want to like do something traditional. I'm like a pretty energetic, active person, so I always felt like whatever I do, like it needs to be something that's like challenging me. Not like I'm referring to working out. Like I like to be outdoors. I like to move my body. I like to walk. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to find something that would be like challenging. And my best friend's mom was like, I found the perfect thing for you. Like you love to be outside. Here's a 30 day trip with nine other people. You have like a 75 pound pack on you. You live in the wilderness, no phone, no nothing. Like, it's just you. Like, you say bye to your dad at the airport and, like, that's it. Yeah. I'm like, great, let's do it. Like, what do I care? I hate my life anyways. So I get on the so I get on the thing and I'm walking down. I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, my God. They put me on a boy's trip. <laughs> they literally screwed up my name and put me on a boy's trip. They thought Ricky was a yeah, boy. Yeah, they're such, I mean, they're a great company. But yeah. I was like, so I'm looking around and we're, like, learning how to do our pack and, like, you know, whatever. And 
And I'm like, sir, I, I don't like, I think that I'm on the wrong course. And he's like, let me look your name up. And he's like, no, you're on the right course. He's like, do you know this is the hardest one we've ever offered? And I'm like, oh, geez. I'm like, do you know who I, I don't know anything. He's like, I mean, I, so I called my dad. I'm like, dad, like, I can't do this. And he's like, you're doing this. Yeah. He's like, I love you. I'll talk to you in a month. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. We, we hiked like eight to 17 miles every day. We had 75 pound pack. Like we cooked our own food. We each had like rolls. We did this thing called the solo where we were alone. I had my own space. Like they put me next to a river for three nights and four days, no food, just water. Whoa. And it was the first time in my life when I felt like I grieved the loss of my mom. Mm -hmm. I was away from my family. I had no negative outlets and it, I felt her presence all around me. And it made me realize like there's people, you know, there's who I am with my family and then there's who I am without my family. There's who I am before the loss and there's who you are after the loss. And I remember just like being out there and like looking up at the sky and being like, I'm not alone. Like you're here mm -hmm. and like I can do anything because like I'll never really be alone because you'll always be around me. And... I'm a psychopath and literally the day I got home, I signed up for the 50 day course for the following summer. Wow. <laughs> like I was such a crazy person, but it transformed my life. So that was a year later. You're back for. Yeah. I'm like, days. I'm back. Let's do this. And I was with girls this time and yeah. boys too. But it was like, it made me feel like I could do anything. Yeah. And I kept thinking like, you know, I would be like in the year, I'd be like, I don't want to go to class. And I'm like, get your ass to class. Like you hiked 12 miles last summer. Like right. you hiked in hail and snow and like you wanted to die like get your ass up right and it became this like metaphor like you always keep climbing mm -hmm. it changed my life it's the coolest thing i've ever done what i mean obviously the physical challenges are great lessons but what about the isolation do you think was so oh important in your grieving process it was so it was the most painful thing i've ever done i will tell you that I don't know that I could, I, I probably could do it again, but it was so painful. I mean, imagine sitting there, you have no food, you have no phone, you have no camera, you have no watch. They teach you how to tell the time with your fist. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, this is not working. I don't know what, I still don't know what time it is. And it's just you. Yeah. It's just you. And you can thoughts. hear a pin drop. It's literally you. And you don't even have food to like distract you. And I'm sitting there and I'm screaming bloody murder. I'm crying hysterically for three days straight because I'm in so much pain. Yeah. And on the third day, I literally woke up and I like felt like I could breathe. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, this is great. Like I'm alone and I'm not lonely. Yeah. It was like to be alone and to not be lonely. And it was the first time in my life I felt my pain because I didn't have a choice and I didn't die from it. And it was like, you're okay. Even though I really, at that point in my life, I had so much more work to do, but it was like the beginning of the process for me where I felt like I am strong. I did that. I can do other things. But I think like if you put anyone in that situation right now, like people would freak out. Yeah. Like I think I would freak out. So how does one lean into that vulnerability and grow without going on a 30 day uh, uh, wilderness challenge? I mean, you could do it in a lot. Find something else that challenges you. Like mm -hmm. if what challenges you is like going to yoga twice a week, like maybe that's a huge challenge. But mm -hmm. maybe like making a like a thing with yourself, like okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna be 
I'm going to meet, I'm going to have a new lunch with someone new once a week for the next month. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a push for you. Not everyone has to go in the, like, I think there are plenty of people that would have been like, this is the worst. Get me off this. That would have left early that it might not have worked for them. But for me, I'm a very physical person. So like I needed the physical and the mental push. And I think for other people that might look different, like maybe that looks like volunteering. Mm -hmm. Maybe that looks like the yoga or taking a night course. Like everyone is pushed differently. Starting a podcast. Starting a podcast. Right. So like you're going to grow a shit ton from this. Right. And you're not in the wilderness, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but like, you know, you still, it just depends on what you need. And everyone needs different things. So like, for me, I needed that. Do I need that right now? No. Mm-hmm. But I need other things. So I think everything is relative to where you're at in your life. But I think physically pushing yourself is a really good way to mentally push yourself. I do believe that like they are, they, they are this interconnected. So whatever that means for you. So moving your body is important and you seem to get your steps in most of the time, but when steps fail, mm-hmm. dancing seems to be your go-to. Steps never fail. Uh, aside, yeah. aside from dancing, <laughs> or well, along with dancing, how important is it that you're able to be silly and open-minded when it comes to dealing with health? I think it's the most important because, like, honestly, I don't want to read about anyone's, like, stupid matcha that they make. And, mm-hmm. like, no, I sound like an asshole. Okay. No, you said something today on your Instagram. It was like... I was like, unless there's vodka in it, like, I don't care about your matcha. Yeah. Because it's like, all right, when did becoming healthy like be so, like this so big thing? Like I'm not a foodie. Like I'm not like, listen, I I was a personal trainer for five years and I really didn't like it. And like, I realized that like, if I'm not having fun, this is not going to work for me. And like, okay, so like my whole thing is like, move your body, move your mood. Yeah. You can do that. And listen, I go to the gym, but it's less about like being skinny as it's more just like a, a mental release for me. Yeah. So I'm always just like, what is the fastest way for me to be happy? And like the crazy thing about like my dancing, which is like totally my thing. Tony Robbins is a dancer. Yeah. Like he made us every 35 minutes, he made us stand up and dance. Mm -hmm. He was like, this will get you re-energized. It's fun. It's silly. It's going to put you in a positive state of mind. And I was like, oh my God, I've been doing this for years. Like I'm onto something. And it's always been this like, it helps me escape. It's it's another metaphor. It's like you can dance through it. I did this thing. I found like so many weird things, but I did this experiment in 2014. I danced for a hundred days straight and I recorded it. Mm-hmm. I should I'm gonna think I'm gonna put it on Instagram because it's like hilarious. And I was like really bored with my life, obviously. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna do this experiment. So I was like, I'm gonna record a video every single day for like a 20 second video for everyone. I'm going to dance every single day for hundred days, no matter what. I had this like weird following and people were into it. And then my boyfriend broke up me day seven, this Mm. guy that I was dating. And I was like, and I didn't dance for three days. And everyone was like, where are you? And I had, it was like, I had to be like, I am so sad right now. And it became this like metaphor of like, I'm going to get up and dance. I'm going to literally dance through the pain. Happy dance, sad dance, just dance. It just helped me because it gave me purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think people need purpose. So like dancing to me has always just been this like silly outlet. But I also just like genuinely love it. And I like I go on my walks. But like if you saw me, I'd be like I'm dancing on my walks like a crazy person. But like I'm literally having fun. Mm -hmm. I'm like... But what about, I mean, that's, I, I love that. But w- what, 
in your personality allows you to make that so public. Other people would be so, you know, <laughs> I just like have always been like this. Like yeah. I've, I've like, I just, this is who I am. Like, mm-hmm. I think some people are like that. Some people aren't like, I am a very, like, I don't really care. I, I like a free spirit. And I think, yeah. I think that means different for everyone, but I've just, I've always lived my life. Like I don't really care. And like, it's fine. And like, whatever. And I know that I'm a little like ridiculous, but like, I'm okay with it. So I think like, I don't know. I think you've, you got to own who you are. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm never going to be the person that's like so reserved and like not stating my opinion. And like, it's just not who I am. And like, I'm okay with that. And I think I, I've tried to be that person and like, doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. Cause like people used to be like, like, 2014 like maybe you shouldn't like share so much about your life and I'm like okay well maybe you're right and then I would do it and I'm like this isn't me like why the hell am I listening to you Mm -hmm. so I think like maybe it's just who I am Mm -hmm. I also like you have to believe that like people I also believe people need to see that stuff because I think everyone has it in them yeah and someone just needs to be like an example yeah I don't know maybe people think I'm ridiculous I don't know I mean, I, I think <laughs> as it. soon as people let go and they kind of learn how to dance and sing and they don't worry about what other people are thinking, they can really find some sort of like cathartic. Yeah. And I think it's like anything that I do in my life. It's like, okay, if I share this story, like, yeah, it's deep and vulnerable, but like, it's real. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think at the end of the day, people want to feel like they can relate to someone. Mm-hmm. And... Also, like sometimes I just dance because like it's raining out. And I gotta get my steps in. Mm-hmm. So like whatever. That's what I meant when when steps fail. When steps fail, right. that's right. But they don't fail because then you dance. So, if there's one piece of advice you're gonna give a listener who may be struggling either with loss or with eating disorders or or just in general anxiety of daily life, what would that be? I would give them so many pieces of advice. First of all, I would I would say like tell someone. Do not keep it to yourself. You are not alone. You don't need to suffer alone. There are so many resources out there for you to be like, hey, I feel this. I feel that. And use your online resources. But people, find Mm -hmm. people, human people that you can be like, hey, let's go for a walk. You know someone that I could talk to. Is there a, a program that you know about? You know, Look at your resources. So number one, be like, tell someone how you feel. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's like you got to develop proper coping skills, positive outlets. So I think when you tell someone how you feel, then you can be like, okay, like how do I develop positive outlets? So it's like, you know, go to, putting good things in place. So like going to yoga twice a week, mm-hmm. you know, getting your steps in every day, journaling for five minutes every day, volunteering. I think volunteering is most under-talked about thing when it comes to our mental health. Mm-hmm. The more you can do for others, the better your life is going to be. Yeah. So, so rewarding. It's so rewarding and it heals both parties. So I think like, again, like tell someone, develop certain coping skills, positive outlets, working out, journaling, walking, dancing, maybe starting a project that you really want to work on. Mm-hmm. Um but also you gotta you gotta have some mantras like life is happening for you, it's not happening to you, like your pain is your greatest gain. One day at a time. One day at a time. Mm-hmm. Like 
you'll be okay. You know, and if, if the, you believe what you tell yourself, but I think like people who are in deep pain, like you gotta, you just gotta tell someone because mm-hmm. it's the people that are suffering in silence and that's the problem. So even deeper, what, what's your advice for someone who is having a lot of trouble reaching out? If there's someone listening who's, who knows they need to tell somebody, but they just can't make that breakthrough. Maybe write it out first. Mm-hmm. Write out how you feel. Because sometimes when you write it out and you see it for what it is, it's not as painful as it is. I always say like, like paper, like pen to paper, mm-hmm. because it's like you can, you can look at your thoughts and you can, you can make them in like a list form. Like I am overwhelmed. I feel lonely. I am so sad about this breakup. I am this. And then you're like, okay, let me like look at all the things in my life that are like weighing on me. And then after that, like, listen, it's, your life. Mm-hmm. It is your responsibility. It is your future. So if you're going to sit there and you're going to be in pain, if you know that there are resources, you have to take them. Mm-hmm. There's only like so much people can do for you if you can't step up. Like Right. Like adding adding misery to a painful situation right. is like torture. Right. Like, yeah. okay, so write out how you feel. Get over it. Reach out to someone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wish there was like a nicer way for me to say it, but there isn't because like I know it's so hard. Trust me, like I know, but you got to do it because either you're going to like either you're going to stay where you're at mm-hmm. or you're going to take like one step forward. If you could just take one step forward, then at least, you know, you're not like exactly where you just were. Mm-hmm. So I think that like bite the bullet, you're already miserable. You're already in pain. It's probably not going to get worse. So like, let's figure out how to make it better. Mm -hmm. You just, it's not everyone's going to come to you. Right. And I think that people think that like they deserve things because they're in pain. Yeah. But like, that's not the, how the world works. Yeah. And I think there are a growing number of resources now that, uh, really give everyone an equal outlet. Totally. Like there's so many resources online. Yeah. I mean, you could get a coach. You can buy a program. You can watch a YouTube video. There's free call and numbers. Right. And, yeah. There's so many. And that's the thing is like there are so many resources, but if those don't do it for you, you might need human contact. Mm-hmm. You might just need, it could be your best friend. Let's therapist go on a walk. A therapist. Yeah. Your go mom, on, your dad. Right. Yeah. It's like you might not, you don't always know what you need sometimes until you're like, walking with your friend all of a sudden you're like talking and you're talking you're getting it all out and you're like oh that was really helpful yeah but you don't always know, when you're in pain it's hard to always know what you need because you're in it so you got to tell someone so they can help you navigate outside of it maybe in the ways that you wouldn't be able to i, I guess from the other perspective how can one be a good friend and, and give that person the space to open up just Tell them, hey, Mm -hmm. I love you. Mm -hmm. I'm here for you. What's going on? Listen. Sometimes people aren't always looking for advice. They're looking for support. Mm -hmm. And they're looking for someone just to listen to them. And I think like people are so, people are like really embarrassed by their pain. Right? Like I think like the the suicide rate, like people are in so much pain. They don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's, it's shameful almost. It's like when you're, you know, addicts who are like, I relapsed. It's probably so shameful for them right. to go to someone and be like, 
but they do it, mm-hmm. right? And every single day they fight that battle. Right. And it's I can't even imagine that on a, like on that kind of scale. So it's like you gotta you gotta first of all realize like you're not alone. There's a thousand people that feel the way that you feel. It's not abnormal. It's the most normal thing in the world. The person right. who's always happy, I'm always like, dude, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Like, there's yeah. something we don't know about you. Yeah. Because like I'm a pretty happy, positive person, but I have no problem being like, yeah, I've been through this. Like, yeah, that sucked or like whatever. Because yeah. I know I'll always find the light. But I think when people are in pain, they don't, they can't see the light. So find people in your life that will help you see it. Mm-hmm. When find the person you can call at four in the morning. Mm-hmm. Like I have certain people that I know that I can call. And that's it. You only need a, like two of them. Yeah. You don't need a lot of them. For one, for when, when one is sleeping through your call, you can yeah. call the other. And then like yeah. you got to get a key to an apartment, you know, <laughs> some small, shit that I used to do. <laughs> but find people. And if you can't find people, find a professional person. Mm-hmm. But just find someone who will listen to you. Because yeah. usually people just need like someone to listen to them. Yeah. And... You know, people, the people in my life that I listen to, they tend to give a lot of opinions. I definitely don't ask for them. But I think, like, you got to have good people in your life. Yeah. Positive relationships. So you have, um, you mentioned you're, you're not the, the strongest cook. And you have, like, an Instagram little series that you started. What is it? In the Kitchen Oh, my God. Rick. That's literally never going to happen again. Actually, it might. I'm the worst cook ever. <laughs> I, it's because I don't have a lot of patience for it. And right. It's honestly because I'm so messy. Yeah. My bat mitzvah theme was Hurricane Ricky. Oh my gosh. Like they gave out flashlights at the end that said I survived. Wow. If you saw what my kitchen looked like after I cooked literally a stir fry. Yeah. There's literally stir fry in the wall. Like it's just not in my (laughs) DNA. I just like, I wish I could be like one of those people who's like so graceful and like, here, here's this beautiful thing, but it's like a hurricane and it's just like not my thing. I wish I was really good at it though. So, I mean, you're able to maintain, you know, a great level of health. How, how it, it's a kind of really relatable for probably most people, you know, how, how can you like, uh, advise people who are in a similar situation where they just aren't acclimated in the kitchen? So I like, first of all, if I do, what, so I do cook, I just yeah. like cook the most basic right. things. Like I literally will buy cauliflower rice and like put it on a pan and I'll chop up some veggies, chop up some tofu and like call it a friggin' day. Yeah. So like that's really basic or like I'll buy Greek yogurt mm-hmm. and like I'll get peanut butter mm-hmm. or like, you know, things that are like pretty or like apples or like things that are like require no that much effort. Keep so the like oven off. keep the oven off, keep it super simple. Like you can buy brown rice cakes and like put it, make it like a peanut butter banana sandwich. You can make stir fry. It's not that hard eggs. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to make eggs. So like, I think that I also am like my biggest thing has always been like in terms of like food or whatnot, like always listen to your body. So like I think people can eat the things that they love as long as they listen to their body. Mm -hmm. So it's never really been about like, are you the best cook? Like, are you this? Are you a foodie? Because like I'm none of those things. I'm like a weird person in the wellness space because like I'm not into that stuff. That's refreshing though. And I think it's relatable because I think right. it's the truth. It's like I'm not literally not Googling how to make matcha. Like I, I'm yeah. not Googling that stuff. Like I think it's wonderful. I think if someone wants to make me all that stuff, like I'm down. Totally. 
but it's like you got to know who you are and so I know who I am and like I know that like I got to keep it basic and simple and that like I don't travel anywhere without a snack or water yeah because I have low blood sugar and because like I'm a Nazi with water Uh um so there are definitely staples in my life like I walk 10,000 steps a day I drink two liters of water you know I don't eat a big dinner so there are things that I go by Mm mm-hmm but I'm pretty flexible in my approach. What's uh what's an average day of, of eating for Ricky look like? Um well or just an average day in general with, with I honestly activity. don't know. Like nothing is average. Okay, so like today I had I had a um a brown rice cake with a tablespoon of peanut butter, a little bit of flaxseed, and like a few slices of banana on top. And then Honestly, today was kind of a weird day. But then I went to Steve's Deli because yeah. I was like out that way. And I was like, Yum. screw it. I love pickles. So I mm-hmm. got these like a bunch of dill pickles. And I got diet cabbage soup, which I'm like obsessed with. And then I got like a scoop of tuna Yum. and a little bit of bread. And then this is like a really abnormal day. And then I had a cupcake. Oh, my God. I brought you a cupcake. It's in my purse. I forgot oh, to wow. give it to you. That's so exciting. <laughs> it's a vegan cupcake. I thought you might oh like my it. Gosh, it's I've probably been craving s- a cupcake all day. <laughs> it's probably smushed, but I literally have it for you. I wow. would have brought you one too if I knew. Okay. Anyways, no cupcake for clay. No cupcake for clay. So I had a cupcake. I had like a f- like these mini cupcakes. That's actually not a very normal day. A normal, a more normal day would have been like a little healthier. Um, but I'm big on like staples. So like. My biggest meal of the day is usually at breakfast. Yeah. And then like the other big meal is usually between like three to five. Yeah. So dinner is usually like a pretty small meal for me. Because and you stop eating after dinner? Yeah. Do people eat after dinner? Because I feel like... I used to. Dinner uh, and done. I don't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What? I think that's a huge strategy for, for maintaining a healthy diet. Or and like weight. A, a yeah. Style. I mean, yeah. okay. Mindset. Food is fuel. Yeah. What do you need right. fuel to go to bed? You don't. Go to right. bed. It's done. That's another void. That's what I'm saying. It's like, that's a perfect example of someone trying to fill a void. Like, it's done. You don't know what to do with your day. Your structure's out. Yeah. It's nighttime. You're maybe you're like feeling relaxed. Maybe you're feeling lonely. Food. That was a game changer for me, though. The, the like, in terms of weight game. loss? And weight loss and just overall gaining a grip on my health. Like, I could go all day eating well. And by the time like 10 p.m. came, you know, I'd I'd be like, okay, let's go, let's go get French fries and right. green, green sliders or whatever it is. And uh, yeah, as soon as you cut that out, it was just like an instant. You know, I was able to like kind of feel my body better. Oh my and, god! At night, in the morning, you know, you're you're just more of a regular person. Right, and then you stop, and then you, like, what time do you stop eating? Nine p.m. Like strict. Right. Yeah. And like, you know, it, it it's all different for everyone, but I think that like. I think you should wake up so hungry. Yeah. And if you're not waking up so hungry, it's because you had a too big of a dinner. Yeah. I'm on the intermittent fasting. Oh game. my God. Yeah. I'm actually really infatuated with that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and like, I'm not like, I don't read about like all these different things, but yeah. I really love that. And I think it's so genius. And it I is. do, I, I did, I feel like I did it without knowing I was doing it. Same. Except for that late night eating part. Right. Like, know? like, so like, tell me like, what do you do? So my oh, eating shit, window, I do like the uh, the sixteen eight is what they call it. But really, it's transformed into its own thing for me. You know, you find out what works for you, and you kind of just make it your own. Um, so now I, I kind of start eating anytime after like one thirty p.m. or so. Wait, you don't eat until one thirty p.m.? No, no. And then I and I stop eating at like 
eight thirty nine p.m. What do you? How do you do that in the morning? I was that hard I, at honest, first. See, that's the part I was already doing. So like, I would already go deep into my work day, and I wouldn't like eat until you know two or three o'clock. And what I added into that was training, and so like I would train now. Now I train in the morning fasted, and Got it's, it. it gives me so much energy. Um, it's great, and then you can really feel your body working for itself, you know, um, between like the training and, and your first meal. Okay, so like you stop eating at nine, mm-hmm. and you don't eat until at least one p.m. the next day. So, but but if someone was going to stop eating at nine, what's would they have to wait until one? Yeah, one. That's 18 hours. Yeah. Oh, so it has to be 18 hours. Mm-hmm. So like if I stopped eating at seven, then I could eat I'm at sorry, 11. I'm sorry, 16 30. hours rather. Yeah, 16. Yeah, I think yeah. So if I started eating at seven, stopped eating at seven, then I could eat it. Then I would be able to eat at 1130 or like 12, right? Yeah, 11. So it just depends on when you stop eating for the night. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like, once your body gets used to that, like, I, now I can go, I could, I could eat one meal a day, really, and be, like, totally fine. It's just kind of hard to get all your calories in one meal. Yeah, I'd imagine. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'm going to try that. It's nice. And, and that's the other thing is I'm not really one to, like, follow any fad. And I also don't really consider in, intermittent fasting no. a diet. It it's just goes along with any other diet that you're doing. Um, and I just enjoy trying all these, these different fads and different, you know, diet diets really too you know i like that i think i'm gonna try it (laughs) maybe it's (laughs) fun um is there anything else that you wanted to share uh what what's what's next for ricky what's next for break the weight oh my god um i don't know i there are things that are next that i that are not public yet um but they are in the grief and loss space Mm -hmm. i'm starting something Mm -hmm. um What's next for Ricky? Hopefully speaking, lots mm-hmm. of speaking on my story and how to transform your life and transform grief and loss. Um, getting this book done, that'll be a big thing for me. Break the weight. I really want it to be the community to really build and I want to figure out how for it to run on its own eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously continue coaching. But I have a lot of, I, I think speaking having break the weight be its own thing and getting this book done are like it's like where I'm at right now how can listeners follow you um what if I gave them my address to my home and I was like here <laughs> okay so I you give can my phone number out oh, in like, public <laughs> yeah <laughs> call me anytime <laughs> <laughs> um so you can find me at breaktheweight.com that's my website you can follow him on Instagram you can follow break the weight on Instagram you can follow me on Instagram Ricky Friedman and if you're ever looking for help, you know, transform your lifestyle, physically, mentally, emotionally, I have a really great program. It's called the Breaker Program. Or if you're ever just looking for some inspiration, check out my Instagram. Yeah. Facebook. Facebook OG right here. Yeah. Um, Facebook too. Keeping Zuckerberg in business. Yeah, right. Is that That's the next thing. Yeah. He's, I mean. Toast. Toast. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for having me. I think this is great. I'm looking forward to seeing where you go with this. Awesome. Talk soon. Okay. Have a good night, everyone.